1: If you could rule it all, what would you do? Hello, kia ora and welcome along to the New Zealand Charity Podcast, the show that helps you to make better contributions to the charitable organisation you serve. I'm your host, Thomas Nabs, and today on the show, we're joined by Paul Brown from ChildFund. Paul, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Kira. Thomas, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, thank you. Look, we'll get straight into it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about ChildFund?
0: yeah sure thing thomas so i'm father of two teenage boys married to angela and i've been for the last 16 years proud to be ceo of an organization called child fund new zealand some of your listeners may know child fund under its former name which was ccf which stood for christian children's fund we've been in new zealand 30 years raising money which is all raised here sent overseas to help children get out get out of poverty so we, we talk about our mission being helping children and youth thrive so they are kids currently in places like Kenya, like Zambia, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, East Timor. And more recently, we've started work in, uh, in the Pacific in places like the Solomon Islands and Kiribati. So, yeah, that's what Child Fund's about. And I'm sure we'll we'll get into it a bit more deeper as we talk.
1: Absolutely. It didn't click with me what Child Fund was until you explained it to me as the little girl wait's ads.
0: Yeah, well, so <laughs> those of us who are over a certain age will remember must have been in the 90s, I think. CCF at the time was a very, very heavy advertiser using that iconic television and radio commercial called "A Little Girl Waits. And for those of us, as I say, who are over so many years old, probably over 35, 40, we all remember almost drummed into us. You know, as you race off to work, a little girl waits. And as you moan about the price of coffee, a little girl waits. And that was the real call to action that we put to New Zealand is to say, you know, you can help those those girls, those children around the world in desperate need. By sponsoring or by supporting child funds. Yeah, it's it's been a great organisation, 80 years in the making overseas, but 30 years doing hard work here, raising money in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, you're one of the biggest charities that, that I'm in contact with anyway, and you turn over millions of revenue and donations. We've talked a little bit about before about the evolution of your funding model. You guys have got some very generous donors. What are some of the challenges that you're facing with your donation pool at the moment?
0: Yeah, thanks, Thomas. I don't think it's just sort of all on child fund in terms of, I think a lot of other non-profits out there, and I, and I prefer the word non-profit because charity, I always say to our team, is a tax a tax status. <laughs> there are lots of businesses out there doing for-purpose or good work, child fund being one of them. Yeah, we, we, as I mentioned before, with the Little Girl Waits, we sort of grew up on a very, very strong and sticky funding mechanism called child sponsorship. But we've seen that sort of get less popular, particularly as younger generations come through. They see that child sponsorship was something that mum and dad did to uh, try to impart some values on their kids to say how lucky they were growing up in a country called New Zealand. So we've seen child sponsorship lose a little bit of its energy and momentum. We've also, as well as watching it sort of somewhat mature or decline, we've also stepped up other forms of uh, regular giving that aren't attached to one child. It could be attached to a community. Mm. We've also got quite an assertive fundraising calendar where we email or send postal mail to our supporters and to prospective supporters to help us. And we've also built a significant grant portfolio where we get really healthy long-term grants from the Government of New Zealand through the uh, New Zealand Aid Programme. So you bundle that all together. You say we're one of the largest. Yeah, we raise about $14, 15000000 million in a good year. And that spikes when there's strange things like emergencies but yeah. it's it's a, it's a very large number and we're very appreciative of that number but the revenue number doesn't equal the impact number so I'm always suggesting to our board and to our staff it's not how much money you raise it's actually what you do with that money which is
1: yep, more important Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure Now, you were talking about how you've got your donor funder pool there and some of them and their behaviours are changing What's some of the things that you guys have had to work through as that donor pool and those behaviours change? Yeah, well
0: Different generations seem to have different attitudes towards giving. And those folks who are probably in their 80s or 90s now, sort of the pre-Second World War generation, a lot of them grew up in austerity around the Great Depression and have huge senses of duty. So a lot of those folks give out of wanting to help others, being very altruistic. Mm. Younger generations, we're seeing particularly the Gen Zs and the, uh, the Millennials Really seeking quite instant gratification. They want to see their money make impact in a very short life cycle, which doesn't always help our work, which is normally over a generation of uh, children. You know, we work with kids in a community over a 20, 25 year period. So we're seeing this pull to try and get instant impact, whereas our typical donor base, a lot of the older supporters are very much driven by a duty of care and a, an obligation to make others less fortunate have better lives. So there are different drivers for different generations. It's difficult trying to keep all those audiences engaged. It might mean we have to focus certainly on the older generations, which causes a little bit of tension around our own team and around our board table saying, you know there's this rising force called young generations, millennials and so forth. How are we engaging them? And we also know that particularly with millennials, there's a lot of demand on their very limited cash that they've got. Not all of their discretionary income can go to the charitable sector so we're just conscious that we have got to be careful we just don't chase donors or donations from audience that either don't have it or that it's too cost ineffective for us to chase that dollar so we're always looking at okay where can make the biggest impact for our effort
1: yeah for sure what about the newer charities and ones that perhaps don't have the same donation pool such as child fund so they haven't had those historical years of television and advertising campaigns where would you, as if you were walking in fresh into a, an executive position there, where would you suggest, hey, let's target this generation? Do, do you yeah. still believe in the power of mail drop even if you weren't to have the database?
0: Rather than say the power of mail drop, I still believe in the power of storytelling. And mm-hmm. I think that's what us working in the social good space have to be absolutely finessed and immaculate on in terms of knowing why we exist, knowing what change we can bring. So if you support us, then you will help us achieve
1: Completely these agreeing. things.
0: Yeah. And without that clarity of why or that clarity of purpose, you know, that, that that's the first thing everyone has to get right. I think the pros and cons in being newer charities or newer for purpose businesses than being old. We, we've obviously got a reputation and we've got a large supporter base behind us. We don't have the agility that some of these newer organizations have in terms of we still have this legacy where you say, you know, do a mail drop, where we still rely on postal mail. We're seeing social media, we're seeing online platforms can reach much bigger audiences much more quickly and much more cost effectively. So we've got to sort of straddle both those things. Yeah. We're still finding postal mail, even though it is what seems to be a dying sort of channel, we still see it as being very important. I say to our team a letter allows us to really tell a story in depth over a kitchen table. You don't get that luxury through a a TikTok or through an Instagram post. So you've got to be trying to think about, okay, if you are trying to explain that why you exist, it may not be just through snazzy current day social media.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's got limitations around responsiveness and measurability. For that audience that is of the older generation especially if they're not on say a facebook or an instagram that is definitely the way to target in marketing 101 you've got to meet the audience and and where they live right so
0: correct and this is right and um you know i think in the past we've probably been guilty of this too we we move from one channel to another not realizing it's actually you've got to keep all these plates spinning you've got to have an active facebook stream you've got to be active on linkedin instagram Pinterest, whatever the channels may be. Plus, you've also got to have a great website that tells your story. Mm. You can't just pick one or two of those. You've actually got to straddle all of them, which is um, really making us in this sort of sector really stretching our resources thin. So you you can end up over storytelling or telling your story too much and actually not getting on with the work itself too. So again, that's another sort of thing you've got to keep in balance.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, Paul, I want to take it to an overview of the charitable sector or the for-purpose sector. Where do you perhaps see our sector heading in the next five to ten years?
0: Yeah, I'm sixteen years in for me, Thomas, and I'm still very excited about the Child Fund mission and you know what we do. But I'm also very excited about the sector. There's a lot of questions around the moment in terms of particularly of this funny year we had in two thousand and twenty. You know whether many non-profits won't have enough income to survive or won't have the resilience to survive. It's just been yet another tough curveball thrown at us. But there is a role to play, I think, for the social sector, how those organisations are funded, whether it's through donations or or what we're seeing now as other forms of money, where, certainly a child fund, we're investigating, could we borrow money from supporters and pay them back Mm -hmm. through an impact investing model or other ways of financing change? It may not be philanthropic funding that we uh, rely on, it could be trying to attract other forms of of money to Mm to do good work. So I still think there's a huge role to play for the social sector, but The other thing that sort of keeps me energised is that sort of one of the, dare I say it, one of the good things that came out of 2020 with this this pandemic is it did slow a lot of us down, particularly through lockdown, and the whole narrative about how do we get back to normal and people saying, well, there was no normal. We were really overspending or over-expending in this planet. There is this big conversation that's happening about how do we build back better? So what I'm picking up is signals from not just the government but from the the corporate and the business sector saying you know we can't afford to be misbehaving or not behaving appropriately as a business we need to fit in with what society wants too. so I think there is a big brewing conversation where the government the social sector and the private sector are coming together to do social good that's what gets me out of bed every morning I think it's a really exciting time to be doing what we're doing.
1: I think COVID magnified that I think social media magnifies that that's one thing that businesses and organizations can't get away with anymore they used to be able to pull all over their eyes but these days if businesses or government organizations are not are practicing best practice or not doing good by the public need they soon get found out on social media and there's a phone camera everywhere
0: absolutely yeah I mean transparency is is the currency of today in terms of which is great and as you as you say Thomas there are Everyone carries a camera, you know, we're all journalists these days, it doesn't take long for us to record something and pass it on to friends and saying, hey, have you seen this company doing that? And that goes for non-profits too, so it doesn't mean we're above the private sector, you know, we're equally culpable too, so... um, that accountability, that's going to be another good driving force for, for doing social good.
1: Absolutely. And so, how do you think that charities or, or for-profit organisations, for-purpose organisations yeah. and for-profit organisations, yeah. can jump on board and actually utilise and leverage that social change?
0: I think you know, we, we mentioned a few minutes ago, it is being really clear about that why and starting that conversation too. So, at Child Fund, we talk about, you know, we know our purpose, we want to enable children and youth to thrive, but we do take a long-term view. And if we are talking about significant change, it doesn't happen overnight. So systems change, community change, those are long-term programs. So you've got to have the stamina and patience and resilience to approach that. But in order to do that, it's not about what we see the changes. It's what are the community who, or the communities who we work with or the groups that any for-purpose group are there to serve, what do they want? So a big part of our conversation is a lot of listening and really making sure that the outcomes are co-designed. It's not just us imposing what we think is a good thing for children and youth in, say, Kiribati. Mm -hmm. It's understanding what the parents, what the children themselves want, uh, what are their strengths, what are their assets, and what are their needs. So um, we try to bundle that together and program that out to a 25-year view, which we call a roadmap. We might have to call it a navigation chart in Kiribati. There aren't many roads in the islands in the Pacific, but that roadmap literally is a step-by-step, year-by-year process and program that says, okay, how do we take this community from where it is today to where it wants to be, not where we want it to be, but where it wants to be and the people yeah. in that community want to be in 25 years from now. Yeah. So that co-design part, I think, is a big part of what uh, for-purpose organizations or charities can actually bring into their conversation early on.
1: Yeah, and if we're there helping individuals, you guys help a lot of individuals, but also organizations to to live and to show their values then we can partner with those like-minded people and then what we're really talking about with the mail drop and with the social media is how do we reach those people explain your why and your purpose for them to be able to actually jump on and and help in some cases co-design but in some cases just jump behind what you guys are doing because there is a real real need for people sitting at home with a little bit of additional money that they do want to give and donate because they get Although it's not a selfish thing That they're doing They do get selfish benefit from it And that they feel good and, and they get to experience kindness Which is a real is a real need in, in anyone's book really
0: Yeah very much so And I think there. Well, We've seen research that's validated that The fact that the more you give The happier you are So there is a reason to give It does make you feel good about yourself There's obviously a reason to give That it drives the impact The change that's desperately needed But yeah giving altruism is actually very much about yourself feeling good. Kind of weird, but that's the way it works.
1: Absolutely. Look, let's wrap it up there for today, but if you have any questions, comments or feedback about the show, or if you have any topics you want us to discuss on future shows, be sure to send an email to info at thewaterboy.co.nz, subject line, New Zealand Charity. If you wish to contact The Good Collective to support your charity or to sign up for your business to be a service provider for charities, you can email info at thegoodcollective.org.nz. If you're listening to the show via a podcast platform, please be sure to rate, review and subscribe to the show and share it with your friends so that we can help more Kiwis to make better contributions to the organisations they are passionate about. Thank you to our guest today, Paul Brown. Paul, you're a legend. You can contact Paul on 0800 808822 or go on the website childfund.org.nz. Click contact them, and you'll be able to get in touch with them there. Thank you to free FM for their support of the show for my armistead for editing and of course shapeshifter for the tunes thank you for listening to the new zealand charity podcast i'm your host thomas nabbs and we'll be back again tomorrow with even more tips tricks hacks and learnings to help you accelerate your impact and create an even stronger new zealand